We're going to be looking at uh, acceptance uh, over the next four weeks, and um, uh, we've just heard so much, haven't we, already this morning about God's love and his acceptance of us. And uh, I really just want you to remember that. If, if you don't remember anything that I say, remember what's been said before. Some of those words that came out were uh, very, very uh, applicable. Um, it happened to me as well. I just sat down on my seat and sat on a, on a mug of water that spilt. Uh, so this is the, the water that has been absorbed from my chair and uh, so I think God is trying to say something to us about the fact that he absorbs and takes our sin. He absorbs and he takes the, 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 the awful weeks that we have from time to time, the way we feel about ourselves. You know, whilst we were just singing um, earlier, I just had this picture of a pressure cooker coming to pressure. I don't know if you have used pressure cookers, um, but uh, I do remember that with the pressure, you get so much pressure coming up inside the pressure cooker. There comes a moment where you actually have to take whatever it is, the cap, I don't know what you call it, uh, yeah, off the top to let the to let all this steam out. And I just felt this morning, uh, and it's already come out, uh, that there's someone here this morning who is in that pressure cooker situation, but you can't take the top off. And you just feel like you're going to explode, and you just, you know, you don't know what to do. Where can you go? And I just felt this morning, please take on board what Emma's brought, what Andrew's brought, what Dom's brought about how God can just take that, if I can put it this way, the pressure off as we just admit to him, Lord, I I can't cope. (laughs) It's been a grotty week, it's been a horrible week. Just to remember that Christ died for our sins. One of the songs was about bringing us hope, and that's going to come out in a minute. So I think, thank you, I think God's speaking to many people here this morning, uh, whether you're a Christian or not. Because if you're not a Christian here this morning, it's great news that there is hope in this life, that Jesus Christ has come and he has died on the cross, he shed his blood as we've already heard this morning, as we've been singing. So remember these, um, these absorbed tissues, these absorbed cloths, and remind yourself, whatever you're doing, the washing up, or whatever it is this week, <laughs> and your cloth absorbed the water from the, the washing up bowl or whatever, Christ has absorbed your sin, he's absorbed your pain, he's absorbed all that you're struggling with. So, this is rather wet. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. <so. laughs> I'll stop now, we'll have coffee. <laughs>
Okay, so actually, seriously, well, the, the next uh, four weeks, we're going to be looking at acceptance. And I think we're in for a treat, but I also think we're in for quite a challenge um, because this is something, acceptance is something that uh, we all, uh, for uh, better or worse, we, we, we have to live with, how we react to what people say and do. So this morning, we're going to be particularly looking at what God thinks of us. Next week, what we think of each other. Ooh, that's going to be interesting. Third week, what we think of ourselves. And fourthly, what to do when we think differently. So I think over the, the three following weeks, it's going to be quite practical, or very practical, very challenging, but also something that can really impact our lives individually and as a church. So all I want to do this morning is just to try and unpack a little bit of what acceptance is. Uh, what is acceptance? This is where I need the help of these things. So thank you for whoever's done this, but it's a great reminder every week as we, uh, as we come into the room here about our culture. Acceptance is one of the one, two, three, four, five, six uh, aspects of our culture. With integrity, we will live honestly before God and each other. Generosity, we will serve others with our time, resources and gift. Courage, we will always be ready to take steps of faith. Honour, we will always seek to acknowledge and encourage others in their gifts. Acceptance, which is what we're doing today, we will be open to receive anyone, whatever their background or history, and forgiveness. We will always be ready to reset relationships by our forgiveness of others. So when you come in on a Sunday morning, it's good just to be reminded of that. Um, so what is it? As far as the church is concerned, as far as we're concerned, it is exactly that. We want to be open to receive anyone, whatever their background or history. But what, what do we, why do we say that? Well, essentially, this is what's come out already this morning. It's because of what Jesus Christ has done for you and for me and how he thinks about us. Now, this is a huge issue about how God thinks about us because sometimes what we think of ourselves is in total contradiction to what God says about us. So I'm going to be quoting a number of verses from here. Some will come up on the screen, some won't, um, just simply because of time. Uh, but uh, uh, this is our base. <laughs> this is our base for what we're saying that God loves us and accepts us. The Bible is very clear. For example, John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God loves you. God loves you. And that is the, as it were, the umbrella under which everything else that I'm going to be saying and what we're going to be saying over the next few weeks is about. That is what God thinks about you, and not just thinks about you, but has responded to our need as sinners, as, as lost men and women, by coming to this earth and dying for us. Romans 5 verse 8 says this, but God demonstrated his own love. So it's not just what he thinks, but he's demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5 says this, but because of his great love, not just his love, but his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Again, Romans 15, verse 7, accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God, just as Christ accepted you. And then Titus 3, verses 3 and 5. These are just a little snippets of verses that I've, I've picked out about God's love. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passion and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things he, we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. All I'm saying this morning is what's already just endorsing everything that's happened before, really. Again, the Bible tells us, uh, I'm not going to, look, um, to refer to the different verses, but these are some of the things about how the Bible describes God's love for us and what he thinks about it. Number one, he's involved in your life. He is kind and compassionate. He is accepting. He is warm and affectionate. He is always with us. He is patient and slow to anger and delights in those who have put their trust in his unfailing love. He is loving, gentle and protective. He is trustworthy. He is full of grace and mercy. He is tender-hearted and forgiving. You're getting the message. <laughs> we need to receive these truths into our lives. Um, yesterday I was just reading a, a quote from C.S. Lewis who uh, lived in the last century but was a great uh, academic and, thought, uh, and came to Christ, I think, later on in his life. And he's written a book called The Problem of Pain. And in it, he talks about this whole subject. And this is what he says. When Christianity says that God loves man, it means that God loves man. You could actually say, when the Bible says that God loves man, it means that God loves you. <laughs> okay. You ask for a loving God. You have one. Not a senile benevolence that drowsily wishes you to be happy in its own way. Not the cold ph philanthropy, if I can pronounce that right, of a conscientious magistrate. Not the care of a host who feels responsible for the co comfort of his guests, but the consuming fire himself. The love that made the world persistent as the artist's love for his work and despotic as a man's love for a dog, provident and venerable as a father's love for a child, jealous, inexorable, exacting as love between the sexes. How this should be, I do not know. It passes reason to explain why any creatures, not to say creatures such as we, should have a, a value so prestigious in their creator's eyes. <laughs> That's quite something, that. And uh, there was a man who struggled uh, 
to see what, the, what, what life was all about. Yet he came to the conclusion and has shared those thoughts that it's a mystery of God's love to us. We don't know, actually, why. <laughs> Sometimes we think, well, why on earth did he do it? But the truth is, Scripture tells us that he's demonstrated in his life that Jesus came. So God's love and his acceptance really go hand in hand. It's amazing, really. Secondly, then, uh, we're going to move on just to why is acceptance and what God thinks about us important to us as a church. Well, first of all, it sets us apart from the culture of our age. And uh, the more I was thinking about uh, speaking this morning, these two uh, things came out, that one of the characteristics of Western culture is that of comparison. And one of the characteristics of biblical culture, as, we've, as we're trying to, uh, to sort of unwrap a bit this morning, is, uh, is acceptance. Our modern Western culture is full of how we think about ourselves, what others think about us. It's everywhere. Uh, the culture of comparison, I call it. It's, it can get into us, and uh, it's a horrible thing, really, because you only need to look on the newspapers, the magazines, the television, and increasingly so, social media. You have all these this coming at you, and you, well, maybe you don't, maybe you can just cut off from it, but I think that for some of us it's, it's difficult because we suddenly think, oh yes, actually, I wouldn't mind having that. Um, yeah, actually, that's, that, would be, that would be good. So we begin to become envious, we become jealous, we begin to want to have other things, and, and it's just the way that we are, what we look like, the clothes we wear, the aftershave that we have, or whatever. <laughs> you know, the adverts tell us that it will do something for us. I'm not sure. <laughs> but seriously, you know, social media, the media generally, has a massive, huge impact on how we think. <clears throat> and um, it's so different from the biblical culture of acceptance. And we need to be careful... Uh, individually and, as a, and as, ch- as a church, that we don't allow uh, this perhaps unhealthy aspect of uh, Western culture to feed its way into our own lives, to seep its way into our spirits. And um, <clears throat> so we can compare ourselves with other people and uh, we can compare ourselves perhaps with uh, other Christians, other churches, other organisations and we can become, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, uh, I find this uh, quite challenging, we can become self-righteous. We can think, well, actually, uh, I know better than that. Why have they done that? So, yeah, it's a horrible thing if we allow it to come into our lives. So it's vital to remind ourselves of biblical truth and uh, what the Bible tells us about God. We've been through these before, and uh, I just want to commend again these three cards that we had on in Freedom of Christ. These are truths that you can just read through, and we're going to look look at one of them in a minute, uh, about who we are in Christ, what Christ has done for us, that he loves us. And uh, it just helps us in our thinking um, 
to make sure that we are constantly feeding on, on God's word. In 1 Peter 5, verse 8, the Bible tells us about Satan's tactics. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in your faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing that same kind of suffering. We need to be aware that the enemy of our souls, Satan, is seeking to distract us and to take us off uh, course. And then secondly, we understand that God has reached out to us without favoritism in our redeemed state. There is no difference between colour, race, gender and culture. Romans, sorry, Galatians 3, verses 26 and 27, we are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you who were baptised into Christ, Jesus have clothed yourselves with Christ. For there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This means that we are all on the same level playing field. In our redeemed state, having become Christians, We are all the same. We are no better, no worse than the other. We cannot compare ourselves with others in an unfavourable way. This is where our goals comes into play because we say as a church we will be influential, international. And look at this one, integrated, to be a church that has no barriers between races, ages and background. You mean to see how the whole vision of the church gets wrapped up in everything (laughs) Uh, so acceptance is not just a subject to talk about, it's something that's very relevant that, to you and me about what we are, who we are. And um, just on this thought about uh, people, uh, that God accepts people from different backgrounds and also in some different situations, I just want to read a story, or part of a story, of a good friend of mine who was a convicted criminal. He, he's, he uh, was... Um, uh, he, he really, in his younger life, was uh, often in trouble with the law, was often apprehended, often <coughs> convicted. And um, uh, we knew him when we were in Cyprus. He was a good friend of mine. We did some, a couple of Alpha courses together. And uh, he was a great guy just to be around, had such a heart. Anyway, in, in his story, he says this. In 1986, I started a business and took on a full-time accountant to look after my financial transactions. In less than 18 months, money had started disappearing from the business. I knew that I wasn't going to get it back, so once again, I took the law into my own hand. If you read the story, you you can uh, tell you all the other things that he got into. And he was arrested and sentenced at the Old Bailey. What this doesn't tell you is that it was messy. It was actually gross bodily harm. He did a lot of damage to this guy. And he was put down... And as he was being driven to to Brixton Prison, it was the lowest moment of my life. And uh, it says that I had hoped to be going free, and now I was going to be locked up for 18 months. And uh, I was saying goodbye to the world, to my business, my friends, my girlfriend, everything I could think of. And then he goes on to talk about what happened in in, in, uh, prison. And then he comes on to this. On Wednesday, the 2nd of October, I awakened during the early hours and thought of parole was now uttermost in my mind. As I lay there, I looked out of the window. It was a lovely, clear, starlit night. I suddenly started to to say to God that I wanted to change my ways and lead a new life. As I said 
uh, as I said this, my gaze fell on the center of the windows where the bars joined. The bars started to glow and form a bright shining cross. I knew at this point that God really existed. The sensation I experienced as I lay there as I, uh, was, that as, was as though God had taken my old heart out and replaced it with a new heart and a new spirit. In the Bible, God says that uh, in Ezekiel 36, verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I most certainly knew that night, uh, not only saw God's almighty power on the cross, on that window, I felt it. I tried to get out of bed just to touch those wonderful bright cross, but I couldn't. The Holy Spirit's power had been pinned down. I felt massive waves of joys and happiness going right through my body. I felt the cleansing going on inside me like I was being washed clean and I knew all my sin, evil and rubbish was being dealt with and being taken away and he goes on the story you see God accepts people uh, whatever your background, I have another good friend with another good friend in Cyprus who was convicted of manslaughter he became a Christian a lovely guy I love spending time uh, with him and his family whenever we go out there and uh, you see it, okay, these are examples of, the, of quite dramatic things. It doesn't have to be that you've been in prison. It doesn't have to be that. It can just be whatever you've been back. But God accepts you, whatever your background, whatever your age, whatever your culture, whatever your background, whatever your education, whatever the colour of your skin, whatever your social class. In Christ we are new creatures. Let me just read to you 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 and uh, verses 16 to 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting men's sins against them. Note that. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God, who made, God made him who was no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And then quickly moving on to the third thing, about why it's important to us as a church. We realise that we're accepted by God. And again, I just want to just quote a few things that come out from these, uh, these, first, these, these cards on um, the freedom in Christ, uh, that we're no longer rejected, we're no longer unloved, we're no longer dirty in the sight of Christ. We are completely accepted. Um, I am God's child I am Christ's friend. Again, just this morning before I came out, I just read this very quick, this, this quote. Uh, so before you move on to whatever else you are doing today, take a moment to have a conversation with the Lord as your closest friend. You see, it says in John 15, 15, that we are Christ's friends. He's your closest friend. We've been justified. We've been united with the Lord, and I am one spirit with him. I have been bought with a price. I belong to God. I am a member of Christ's body. I am a saint, a holy one. I have been adopted as God's child. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. I have been redeemed and forgiven for all my sins. 
this sounds like good news to me as I'm <laughs> speaking it out. Take it in, receive it, enjoy it. So accepting acceptance by God and knowing that God loves me actually takes that pressure off our lives to conform and to compare ourselves. It's such a weight off our shoulders when we think, oh, thank you, Lord, you just accept me as I am, the way I am. And just the third thing, what are the implications of these truths for our lives? Just again, a a few thoughts on this. Number one is that it will help us stop passing judgment on others because we recognise that what God has done. Romans 12, 17 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take my friend, revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. How can we pass judgment on one another when God has paid that price for us? He's paid that judgment that we deserved, that guilty verdict. It's very sobering, I find. Secondly, it will humble us to recognise we deserve nothing apart from God's grace. Romans 14.1 says, Accept those whose faith is weak without passing judgment. Again, uh, it speaks for itself. It gives us hope. Romans 15.13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow. That's a prayer for this week, isn't it? And it brings glory to God. Again, we've, we've quoted this verse, Romans 15, 7. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. Why? In order to bring praise to God. Not so that it brings praise to you and me, but so that it glorifies God. I just want to finish by just uh, mentioning a couple of things. Um, because there may be people here this morning who really struggle with what I've been saying, that they cannot, for some reason, very genuine reason, find it hard to accept that actually God does love them, that he accepts them for who they are. This was a, a quote I read this week in a book called A Woman's Journey to the Heart of God by a lady called Cynthia Heald. And this is what she says. In a sense, we are all in some ways outcasts until we meet the Lord. We are thirsty for people to love and accept us. <laughs> I'm beginning to identify here. We, we all cry out for acceptance in some way or other. We all cry out for love. It's within our DNA. Anyway, she goes on. We drink from many wells to try and satisfy our longings, but eventually we tire of always having to draw water to get our needs met. Each of us asks... Isn't there someone who will give me water without manipulating me or requiring me to jump through hoops for it? Isn't there someone who will love me just for who I am? Then Jesus appears at high noon. It is, coincidentally, high noon, 12 o'clock. I'm not sure if that is coincidental or if it's actually God speaking. I think it's God speaking to you and to me. Are you one this morning who has tried to draw water from other wells other than from Jesus Christ? Are you one who's been manipulated? Are you one who has felt that you've been required to jump through hoops? 
and you found it impossible. Then Jesus appears at high noon. Jesus appears, actually, he was here earlier. <laughs> he was here earlier today. But the point I'm making is that the Holy Spirit is here. He's, God is here by his Holy Spirit. Wonderful thing. Just finished with this short story. Two weeks ago, we were on a cruise. It was a rough cruise. <laughs> we were going all over the place in the boat. And the captain, in only the way that the captains of big ships can do and say, he brings us, the passengers, up to date with the shipping forecasts once or twice a day. But he does it in such a way as not to put any fear or concern about our safety. <laughs> He's been there before. And he says this, as we're battling with gale force 8, storm force 9 winds, and five, four to five metre waves, he says this over, the, over his tannoy, but she can handle it, she being the ship. I'm sitting there, well actually I'm lying to try and keep some sort of, <laughs> try and keep, uh, keep myself as still as possible in these waves. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, it's all right for you to say that the ship can handle it, but what about the passengers who are going all over the place when we walk, having to hold on to things? But you know, I felt God speak to me at that moment. How much more can our Father in heaven handle your situation this morning? How much more can your Father in heaven manage the pressure cooker situation you're in, can manage the absorption of all the water, that mess that you have made in your lives perhaps? How much more is he able to handle that this morning? The Bible tells us that he is more than able. He holds you in the palm of his hand.